0: Namaskar. Hello and, wel- Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. I am Sri Aya, your host. And today I have with me General Ravi Shankar. And we're going to talk about some things like, for example, the uh, current status as a general sees it between Russia and Ukraine. Second, the role that India can play as a mediator in this. And third, the missile that allegedly landed in pakistan and started from india so all these three things we're going to talk about i want you to stay till the very end because we are going to reserve the best as always for the end general ravishankar namaskar and welcome to p guru's channel sir
1: namaskar and thanks a lot for calling me over again it's a pleasure to interact with you and the audience
0: general ravishankar it's always a pleasure to have you on our channel sir straight talk And uh, you know, very, very honest appraisal of where things stand, a 360 degree view. Everything that you say is lapped up. And uh, first off, General Ravishankar, can you give us a view uh, from the sides or from the front? I don't know how close a view you have of what is playing out in uh, Ukraine. Russia, they say, is inching in, but they haven't caught from my reports only one city they have captured so far in Ukraine. Everything else, they keep saying they're moving. But children's hospitals are getting bombed. Uh, How do you see this, sir? Uh,
1: Well, uh, I've just written an article on how uh, the war is progressing and what should our role be, you know, and what should our way forward be. But be that as it may, uh, what we are seeing and what being fed is largely the Western narrative. The Russian yes. narrative is not coming to us, but even then, uh, the fog of war is slightly lifting, and you get you. There is a little bit of clarity. What's happening? Uh, leave out the allegations and et cetera, et cetera, which you know, or the accusations of the West on what Russia is doing. But let's look at it. What is the current status between Russia and Ukraine politically? Politically, Russia, that uh, Ukraine has said we have gonna given up on NATO. We are prepared to discuss the, you know, uh, independence or the autonomy of Donbas region, both the republics, and uh, you know, and Zelensky has res- uh, realized that the West is uh, digital, right? The favorite word today, which is going around, is Ukraine. On the other hand, Russia has said, "Look, uh, you laid on your arms, surrender." Uh, will stop the war immediately. Now Putin has got four aims in this whole thing, as it appears. Uh, one, uh, it shouldn't you know Ukraine shouldn't join NATO. That he's probably achieved. Second, Donbas should be uh, recognised as a separate region. Even that they have agreed to. Third, Crimea should be part of uh, Russia, and that should be recognised by Ukraine. That I believe I think will get uh, uh, go under some negotiation. Now, the fourth part, which is important. He wants to make Ukraine a totally neutral country and demilitarize it. That is what he is doing now. If you see the way the military operations are going, capturing Kiev, Kharkov, and all are you know more uh, for show, you know, symbolic, but he is actually capturing the, getting the, uh, getting hold of the Ukrainian forces and to demilitarize them. Right? Now, if you see the map and you see the whole thing, the Russian forces are zuring on to Dnipro. Dnipro is the fulcrum in the east, uh, you know, Ukraine. The moment he they uh, there's a link up between the southern forces, Dnipro and Kharkiv, you know, all Russian uh, Ukrainian forces to the east get trapped. They further once. He was surrounded in some manner and operations proceed down south. Ukrainian forces to the north also get trapped. And he will start getting after that. Even the airstrikes, my guess, notwithstanding what the US, uh, you know, the others say, is after military targets. He is getting after military targets, right. And I don't think Putin is going to capture these cities and hold them and, you know, all that. I think he's going to demilitarize and get out and leave Ukraine to what it is, having taken off Donbas and Crimea, right? And I don't think NATO is going to come in very clearly. They were, Even the EU in their conference yesterday uh, have very clearly indicated that we'll do everything for EU, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to Ukraine and membership, they're dilly-dallying. In fact, they've said, no, we'll consider it. First, initially, they said, no, no, we'll take them on and all that. But now they're saying, oh, it is a process, it will take time. And, you know, somewhere they've given a time limit of two to three years. But that's hell of a lot and that's in the future. Who knows? And USA is also very clear that they're not going to enter this conflict with Russia. That's, that. those cards are clear Right now, Ukraine is on its own. They'll get some physical help. There's no, no physical help. They'll get some, you know, arms and ammunition and they'll get funding. And the refugees are being taken care of. The human disaster uh, or the sit- humanitarian situation is being addressed by the Europeans. Nothing more. So, this is where it is. We'll see how it goes in the next two, three days. Also, the foreign ministers have had one discussion in Turkey, and Mr. Putin has uh, said that there is some progress and there's some hope there. And I just heard Mr. Zelensky he speak in BBC. Uh, he's also said something. So, I think we might inch to a deal once the deal gets then the whole thing will fall in its place and the larger sanctions and all that will also will take a different shape because i'm sure russia will say i will take a deal only if these sanctions are lifted and also there's a lot of thing to go right and in the meanwhile the west is con- uh, going ahead with sanctions uh, i think sanctions will take time but they have no immediate effect on what is happening on ground so this is where we are interesting situation uh, so, the, uh,
0: uh, this is what I have to say. Take it forward. Um, General Ravi um, in one of my monologues, I had suggested that uh, if you draw a vertical line from Odessa to Kiev and everything to the right of it is what looked like uh, you know, Putin's uh, target. Now, Ukrainians are leaving from Ukraine and it is a good likelihood that the minorities on the eastern part of that line uh, who are not Russian Orthodox, could also be leaving. I have my doubts if they'll be able to get back, assuming normalcy returns in a reasonable amount of time. Your thoughts on that?
1: I don't think that uh, that's an extreme view. I don't think this country will get divided. I don't think, uh, you know, uh, uh, Russia will have a permanent presence there. Russia will put someone there. Even if it is Zelensky, he will, he will be put under stipulations where he can't you know lean towards nato and at some point of time those people will be enabled and you you might be surprised if russia takes this initiative to get them back because look russia needs a neutral ukraine if not a friendly ukraine friendly ukraine is out of the equation at least a neutral uh, ukraine it, even if it's a sulking ukraine uh, next to it he can't have a, a you know hostile ukraine uh, and ukraine is people so, uh, I'm sure Putin is aware of that. Uh, let's see how it folds. Like I said, we are being hammered by the Western media and the Western viewpoint. The truth might be a little different. Unless we hear what the Russians have said and what their intentions are, we won't know.
0: So, I think we should hold our horses and draw uh, before we draw any conclusion. And to your point, sir, yesterday the United States Congress and Senate voted on 13.9 billion dollar package for Ukraine. Six billion yeah. of that going towards arms for Ukraine, and about 3.9 billion for humanitarian effort. So this is what the US is doing, yeah. and I think uh, Germany has put out about half a billion. Uh, these are the big ones that I know of. Maybe uh, UK also will pitch in. So th- there is going to be you know, an organized effort to try and rehabilitate the Ukrainians. Who are now in probably in camps. It's still winter. It will be another couple of months before things get a little bit warmer. So it's going to be a little bit of a darkness. And there
1: you know, no, no. I'd yeah. like to make another point. You see, so yeah. far the you, Ukrainians, the refugees, are about two point five million. Yes, that's the official figure which is coming. Forty-four out. million population. Yeah. No, no. Uh, Forty-four million population. Compare it with Afghanistan. Forty-two million. Eh? The whole lot of them are refugees in their own country. Mm, right. Right, and the situation if you see on the TV and all the Ukrainians don't seem to be in the distressed state which Afghans and Iraqis were when you know the coalition forces and USA went in there or left there. The situation is bad, there's no doubt, even one life lost is a life lost. But, like I said, more of Western propaganda, and of course, more money is flowing in for humanitarian aid. In fact, there's a report in TAS which says they also got about 10,500. 10,500 tons of humanitarian aid ready and lined up. So, like I said, let the thing roll out. It is not a one-sided affair. Right? Uh, We'll see how
0: it happens. Um, Now, the next... uh, Let's just play this thing out a little bit further. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes what happens is, uh, based on one country's experience, one place, another country starts feeling emboldened. To do what it has been wanting to do for a long time. How much of this... Uh, this? Let's say that... Uh, okay, let's... Before that, sorry. India's role as a peacemaker in this. Do you see a role for India? Because now the two foreign ministers are talking. Uh, that probably is the fastest way to come to a res- uh, an agreement, I think. But do you see India's role in this as a peacemaker? Because it's truly been neutral. Look,
1: uh, let me put it this way. India's role as a peacemaker is one, one step. But I think India's role uh, will be, between Ukraine and Russia in the longer run is also there. You know, don't count it. just. Yes, yes. Know. If the if the foreign ministers are unable to come to some kind of a deal or some kind of an understanding, then they'll need help. Who will they go to help? I mean, let's look at it. They won't go to U, uh, USA or Europe. You know, they are interested parties. They won't go to China because China is also an interested party with China. Who will they go? Who are left? Turkey. But Turkey is a member of NATO and it gets ruled out because that's also becomes an interested party at some point of time. Actually, so if you are left with Israel and uh, India, India. right? Israel doesn't have the heft, political heft. It might come down to India doing the mediation. Will the mediation be necessary or not is a different story, but India has good equations with Ukraine, right? And uh, very good equations of Russia. And so India has the capability of uh, uh, mediating. And we have also indicated in the UN, and Mr. Modi has spoken to Mr. Putin and Mr. Zelensky. And they've said, why don't you both talk? We should finish the whole thing. Right? So I think India has a role. But India has a role down the line. Once things cool down, when things... You know, starts India has a role in rebuilding and helping Ukraine out, right? And India has a role in uh, Russia also. You know, it, it can mediate between Russia and the world to normalize equations. You can't have a big power like Russia sitting in one corner sulking, right? Nor is it feasible that you, you know, erase them from your, you know, everything. So there is a larger role for India, and India is a, a power in its own right. It's a regional power of consequence. It's no more like that 62 story. So I see a large role for India in
0: the future. Okay. Um, General Ravishankar, the next topic is uh, what I was uh, touching, talking about in my previous question, but let me kind of focus it. Do you think China will feel emboldened to a, attack Taiwan or even uh, do some more adventurism in India? First, Taiwan.
1: Look, I was in a discussion uh, three days back uh, with a professor from the National Defense University of Taiwan uh, and a a lady who is a bit of a Taiwan expert, Indian. And we discussed this point. Uh, The uh, consensus is I don't think China uh, is in a position to first take over Taiwan. It is not in a position to physically attack Taiwan. Mind you, that's a very complicated operation. It is crossing nearly 200 kilometers of open seas. If China attempts that, it will be the biggest amphibious assault after Normandy landings. Very complicated. I don't think China is ready for it. That's the first part. And politically, it is going to buy a lot of flak, just the way Russia has got a lot of flak from Ukraine. right? And then already China is a little wary about its... Uh, the support it has given to Russia. It is shifting its stance. Then, the risk. The risk of failure is as much as the risk of success. And China, if we know well, will back off if the risk of, of failure increases. What is the risk of failure? Right. The risk of failure is Z will be finished. And China might go into political chaos. What is apparent from outside is that China is a monolith, but internally, if you see, there are a lot of dissent. Their economy is not doing well. A event like this will take them behind. Okay, this might result in South Korea and Japan getting nuclearized. In which case, it will complicate the nuclear environment for China completely, right? And so, it, it is just not attacking Taiwan and you know capturing Taiwan. Then you see the. Ukrainian model, how Ukrainians are fighting for their country. What if tomorrow Taiwanese start that and Taiwanese will do it. They will take inspiration from Ukraine and then China will have a very tough time. It's not so easy. You know, at this point of time, I think China is totally re-evaluating its options of going into uh, Taiwan and taking it over militarily. If I were a Chinese, I will never do it. I will say let me see non-military options let me see diplomatic and political options how to get uh, taiwan in and i would rather go in the gray zone way use the salami slicing tactics and slowly chip away at taiwan so that taiwan one day says okay take me in whatever at times it takes so i don't think i don't think china will have the appetite also remember uh, china is an aging society already it is one of the most aged societies so they i don't think they'll they and it's a one child nation will they accept the body bags so there are many questions it's very facile to say that china will go into taiwan and the same way coming to india out of question at this point of time you'll see the uh, communique which has come out of the 15th uh, round of the core commanders uh, meeting it's a joint statement which i said a lo- lot of things have happened We'll take it forward jointly. It doesn't show any animosity whatsoever. I also take into account what their foreign minister said that look, there's no point in both our nations expending energy at each other. We have better things to do. Okay, so China and plus their experience of uh, eastern Ladakh last year, uh, year before last. All this put together, I don't think China is in any mood uh, to go hostile or you know take up cudgels or get into war and all that. I don't think so.
0: But that would mean that they have managed to again slice a little bit of India, isn't it? No. Nothing. Whatever is there, is there. That's
1: under negotiation. It's not finished. And one should be very clear that whatever other happens, this is going to be a long process. We know it's a long process. So let that long process take on. It's not over. I mean, if you say already they've already taken a slice, then you're being very fast on the gun. When you don't know China, I mean, I'm I'm not saying personally to you, for anyone who's listening to this. With China, one has to be calm, patient, and take it over the long term. The Sundaranchu incident and the resolution of the Sundaranchu took eight years. This is only two years down the line. And we have now moved to a stage where we are giving joint uh,
0: releases. So we need to be patient. Now, let's uh, come on the most interesting thing. On the 9th of March, a missile took off from India allegedly and crashed into Pakistan's uh, uh, area about 124 kilometers. And The DGISPR, when they came out with a press conference uh, and India kept quiet for I think 24 hours or so before they admitted that something like this happened. What do you make of the general? Because this is sort of unusual. India doesn't usually do something like this. Was there really some sort of a malfunction? Uh, because it, 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 it there was no warhead on that, which shows that it was an unintentional miss. Uh, well, uh, let me put it. Um,
1: a missile without a warhead is normally used for trial or testing, mm.
0: right?
1: If it's a trial missile, something must have happened during a test that's what the official thing is and i'll go by it and you know uh, it might not be a full finished article it happened near the mahajan ranges where these tests and all are carried out so it might have just gone wrong you know something might have gone and uh, you know these things happen with missiles and things like that you know it's not as if all missiles are absolutely a uh, thing even in the Gulf War, 30% of Ameri- 30 to 50% of American missiles went awry, though it's not shown to you or uh, told. So that's one-off thing. I don't give too much uh, credence to that. It has happened. We have uh, India has regretted the incident. And I think uh, that's the end of the story as far as we are concerned. But the interesting thing is even Pakistan has admitted it, that it is a missile without a warhead and no one has hit some wall Broken and all that. But the interesting thing is that it has gone 124 kilometers inside Pakistan territory. They tracked it but it wouldn't do anything. So it tells you a lot about the Pakistani defenses. And it tells you how to plan your operations when the actual thing comes. So it opens up a can of possibilities. Right. And I we'll see what Pakistan does now. Also, it gives you the thing that, you know, as per the DGISPR, they started tracking this missile. Right from the moment it took off. So that means that they are also tracking us. You see, this is a cat and mouse game, right? They are tracking us. They have the capability to track us. But they have shown a cap- incapability of, uh, you know, uh, interfering or
0: intercepting the missile. Also, there is grounds that it probably lost its, uh, you know, trajectory or something. Because it initially traveled south from where it took off inside india and then it took a turn and then went into pakistan so yeah we don't I, know how you know we don't know that's so, what I, they're saying yeah
1: yeah. yeah yeah i agree with you it's taken a turn yeah. and gone rogue these things happen right. in uh, these missiles mm-hmm. and all that it's not a haven't we seen you know um, uh, virtually moon rovers failing and you know rockets taking off and crashing failures happen and you know, there's not much difference between the missile and a uh, uh, PSLV or you know any rocket Apollo series.
0: Didn't we? Didn't we have accidents? This is one of them. Well, uh, very interesting stuff, uh, General Ravishankar, and interesting days ahead of us. Hopefully, we'll have some clarity in about a couple of weeks' time because uh, the uh, you know events in Ukraine are moving rather quickly, and some sort of uh, agreement has to be ag- arrived at. Let's hope. And uh, General Ravishankar, always a pleasure to have you on our channel, sir. Thank you very much. And we'll be back again soon, viewers. Namaskar.
1: Thank you.